And, and the thing is, the thing is, what we consider to be the most successful route for us to take actually isn't. Because too often, our view of success is about some external bullshit idea of achievement. An Olympic medal, the ideal husband, a good salary. And we have all these metrics that we try and reach when really success isn't something you measure and life isn't a race you can win. If you liked that quote, then there's much more for you to love about this week's book. The Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Cinefem. I'm Avery, your host, and no matter where you're at or when you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. This is the second ever episode of this podcast, and as much as I would love to sit and talk about films all day, I have to give my book lover some attention. And I just finished the most amazing book that I read, probably the second in my list for books of 2022 so far. Um, This week's book is called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And I, I actually wrote in this book. It's a little crazy because before, like, before I started getting on Bookstagram, I, when I would read, it's like, "Mm, I want to write in my books, but for one, it's like, if I want to give them away, I don't want them to be messy. And also, I just make a lot of, I I make a lot of mistakes when I'm writing. And so, I just, I never wanted to mess up a book. But I got these, these sticky notes, and they're transparent, so like, when you write on them, you can see through them. Um, and you can see, you know, you can still see the, the words on the page. And so I got those and I have written so much in this book. I've under, I've underlined phrases and I've like written, uh, comments and just like, just whatever was on my mind. And it was actually really helpful, um, just in the, in the reading process, I guess. As most books that I've read (laughs) within the year of 2022 so far, um, They've pretty much all come from TikTok or Bookstagram, but I I try to stay away from the overhyped books because there's just something in me where, you know, if something's getting a little bit too much hype, in my opinion, it's like there's always someone out there that's not getting that hype, and so I want to explore those books, but this premise really, um, really interested me, and the the cover was really pretty and they say not to judge a book by its cover but I am definitely I'm definitely a cover judger um and so I was I I just finished reading before the coffee gets cold which if you haven't heard about it or if you haven't read it it's it's a pretty good book as well um but it's you know it's all about 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 time and regret and grief and loss um and so I just finished reading that and I picked up the midnight library and so I kind of felt like I was interested to read it but I wasn't going to be let down if it was if it was an overhyped book you know um and so I started reading it and I couldn't put it down especially like once once you get into the I would say like the first first 50 pages after the first 50 pages it's like I was obsessed and I had never read anything by Matt Haig before. Um, I know that he has a few other books out in ter- that cover topics of, um, you know, like 
regret and mental mental health um, and you know just regret and loss and grief and um, so I finished this book I think like I finished this book a few days ago I can't even t- at the time that I'm recording this I finished it a few days ago <laughs> and I I really just had to sit with it and really think about what I read um, because of the way that the book ends And so, that being said, let's talk about what this book is about. Midnight Library follows Nora Seed. Um, She is in her mid... I don't... I don't know if they ever really talk about her age, per se, um, in the book. But she's in her um, mid-20s to mid-30s, I would say. I think that's a safe... that's a safe guess. Um... And she is living in her hometown that she grew up in. Um, She's working at a music store nearby. And she is a cat owner. But in terms of anything else, that's that's all she really does, right? Um, And so she, her childhood was emotionally damaging with the things that she went through. Um, and she made certain choices in her life that got her to where she is at the time that the book opens. And so when the book does open, she's working at the music store, um, and she ends up getting fired from the music store. And, um, you know, she's also simultaneously just dwelling on all these different choices she didn't make. She is trying to reach out to her her best friend who's in Australia and her best friend's just not, you know, getting back to her. And she's like, oh, well, what if I had, you know, what if I had taken her up on her offer? What if I hadn't, you know, like left her moving to Australia by herself and I actually followed through with our plans, right? Um, so she, she's going through that. She's also, you know, just feeling really, really lonely. And she's like, oh, what if I hadn't, you know, ran off on Dan before our wedding what if I had stayed with him and whatever whatever um and so she gets fired and then her cat dies as well and her cat is like her emotional support animal um you know she takes care of her cat she takes care of her plants and she's responsible for herself but even when she's not like she's not 100% responsible for herself she still she still makes it her priority to take care of her cat and then her cat dies outside. And, and this this guy that she is acquainted with actually comes to her door and is like, is your cat, you know, um, like, what does your cat look like? And she describes him. And he's like, yeah, well, he's on the side of the road. Dead. Um, that really piques her feelings in terms of despair. She feels like, even even if she wasn't taking care of herself, even if she lost her job, at least she still had her cat. At least she was still keeping her cat alive. And so the fact that her cat is now dead, she just feels like what what left is there to live for? And um, and so up until this point, you know, you see like 19 years before Nora decided that that she didn't want to live anymore. Um, 24 hours before Nora decided she wanted to die and it just goes and goes and goes until you know the last hour or whatever um, and so she she writes a post on social media drinks a bunch of wine and then um, 
she she takes pills and she ends up you know being knocked unconscious and of course you know with the goal of of being dead and that's when she is brought into the midnight library um and so i will stop here just to give warning that there are spoilers now (laughs) um before we get any deeper and um I mean, I I already kind of mentioned the suicide, but just like trigger warnings from here on out. Um, So yeah, moving on. She she wakes up in the midnight library and she's very confused. Um, Her watch says like zero, zero, zero as in midnight. Um, And so she wakes up and then she sees her her old librarian. I think this is the librarian from high school, I'm pretty sure. And so this librarian has been there since, you know, has been there um, for all of her toughest times in her childhood. And when her dad died, she found out through her librarian. And so there's this like emotional connection to her librarian. So when she wakes up, that's who she sees in the Midnight Library. And she learns that all of the books on the shelf that she sees they're all they they don't have like any titles to them they don't but they're just all different shades of green and she learns that each book is a different life that she can live um and while she's in the midnight library she's just in between life and death um and the the midnight library is dependent on her she's not dependent on it So, you know, if she, if she decides that she really, really wants to die and there, you know, she just, there's no point in living and the Midnight Library ceases to exist. Um, But, you know, searching through the Midnight Library, you can find a life that, if you find a life that you really want to live, you can stay there. And so at first, Nora is very apprehensive. She's um, not she's she's not accepting of the idea she's like I didn't want to live in my in my root life so what makes you think that I want to try all these different lives and the librarian's like I mean you have you have all these regrets literally there is a book of your regrets read it (laughs) and so she opens it and it's just it's just filled and it's it's described as being like very very heavy and so you have literally all these regrets from when she was a child to now And they are, like, they, depending on how big the regret is or how much it's rooted in her subconscious, um, then it shows up differently in the book. And um, so, you know, she looks through all all of the regrets. And that's when she kind of opens her mind up to the, the the possibility that maybe she could find a life here um that she likes better than her than her root life her first life she chooses is because she wants to undo the regret of not marrying dan who's the man that she you know ran away from before their wedding she wants to she wants to live out that dream that they had of being married um and owning a pub on the countryside and so her whole thing is like i want to live the life where i actually married dan and so she she the librarian pulls the book her name is mrs elms and so she pulls the library book off the off the shelf 
and Nora starts to read it, and then she is just, like, not transformed, but, like, she's sent to this life, okay? So she suddenly is this, this different version of herself, and, you know, she looks around her, and she's like, wow, where am I, where am I? And she soon, you know, just by like piecing, piecing different, different information together of her surroundings and the the people that are talking and whatever, she realizes that she is where she wanted to be, where she had just said she wanted to be. But the more time that she spends in this life, she realizes that this life is not necessarily where she's going to be the happiest. Um, Dan is repulsive. And that's the nicest, that's the nicest way I can say it. Um, he just like, the way he talks to her is very short, very like, I'm only responding to you because I have to, or I feel like I'm only talking to you because I feel like that's the right thing to do, not because I love you. Um, and he's an alcoholic and she, she ends up finding out that he did, he cheated on her too. Um, and so she's just like, okay, well, I'm gonna leave. And so she does. Um, and so when you, when she leaves a life, she, she has to get to a certain point of disappointment with that life in order to be sent back to the midnight library. And so that's the very first life that she lives, but she ends up living several. The book only, only really captures, I think, I would estimate it only captures maybe like five to seven lives but towards the end she talks about all of the different lives that she that she lived including those those five to seven and then like maybe even six more um and you know so some of those lives that she lived um all based off of her own regrets but she lives as a rock star because Um, she had a band with her brother and her brother's friend when they were younger and she decided not to sign with the label record and so none of them got got a recording deal and so she wanted to undo that regret Um, she lived a life as an olympic gold medalist um, because she quit swimming at a very young age and so she always wondered what what that would be like um what are some others she Oh my gosh, no, let's see. I feel like there's one, there's one other that's like super, super important. Um, but I mean, and they range from, they range from big to small. So like those are bigger, broader ones, but then you have more like simpler decisions that she made. For example, like, um, just saying, just saying yes to, to somebody going on a date and then she ends up marrying them and having a child um and so throughout this you just see her make make all of these or undo all of these regrets that she had in this this book of regrets gets smaller and smaller and smaller and so one of the lives she lives is a glaciologist which is what she wanted to do when she was younger um her librarian talked to her about it when you know when she was actually in school she was like, you know, you look at all these National Geographic magazines all the time, so maybe you should, maybe you should look into being a glaciologist. Um, and so she spends, she spends quite some time, from what it seems to me, she spends quite some time in this life um, compared to others. 
and um, she ends up, you know, she's on a boat in the Arctic Ocean, um, and they're, you know, studying climate change and everything, and she's really enamored by it, but at the same time, she realizes that it's not exactly what she thought it would be, and she meets this guy named Hugo, and he's really weird right off the bat, and she senses it, and she's like, what's this dude's deal? Like, why? Because he, like, she's eating breakfast on the, on, like, the boat's cafeteria thing, and he just sits right down next to her and of course each each new life that she lives she has to figure out who she actually knows and like you know what kind of connections that the the Nora in that um lifeline has and she does this by like using social media and her phone and you know just contact clues I guess but this person acts like he doesn't know her like this is his first time meeting her and she plays along because that's what else is she supposed to do and so you know oh he's he's like oh hey you're Nora right and she's like oh yeah what's your name and he's like oh I'm Hugo and so like he's just like he's smiling at her and eating and like talking her ear off and she's like okay this dude's quite annoying but then part of her is like attracted to him and so later on in this life in this takes this takes place over the course of maybe like three or four chapters and um so over the course of these chapters he calls her out on the fact that she's not the real Nora and she's like what are you talking about you sound she's trying to gaslight him <laughs> and he's like he's like trust me I know he's like I'm I am one of you like he calls them sliders and it's, you know, it's people in between life and death. And he's like, I've been doing this. I can't even tell you how long, but I've lived a numerous amount of lives by now. And I never know when I'm going to switch to the next. And he was like, but I enjoy it so much better than my root life. Um, and he, so he, you know, he started bringing, bringing the science into it. And that's where I was like, oh. Um, but, but at that point, we finally get kind of a like an explanation for why it's happening and what she can expect to come in the future. Um, and so she, you know, she lives this life um, and it's literally, she, she's not, there is not a single point in this life, in this lifetime that she is disappointed until she hooks up with Hugo and it's just not what she expected and that's when she sent back to the Midnight Library. I thought that was humorous. Maybe that's just me. So moving on from that, that's when she becomes a rock star. And then um, from there, she, she like she just beca- she just begins to explore different theories in terms of what kind of choices she should make with reading each book. You know, like maybe I should maybe I should just like start thinking about the small like the smallest decision that I made that you know, changed my, changed my path in life. So she decides instead of working at the, at the music store in her hometown, she's going to work at the, um, at the, at the, uh, the rescue shelter for, you know, for dogs. So she does, and she meets this, this guy, and he actually went to school with her, and, you know, their relationship is whatever, whatever, but she's like, I realize that the Nora that I am does not love him the way that the Nora in this life does, and I just can't, like he he's he's kind of annoying, and so that's when she sent back to the midnight library. 
And so after that, you know, she lives one more life. And then that's when, you know, you can call it like um, reader service, fan service. Because for me, I'm reading this and she keeps bringing up this guy named Ash. Ash is the one who came to her door and was like, your cat's, your cat's on the side of the road, right? And that's at the very beginning. He was introduced in the very beginning. And so throughout the book, Nora just constantly brings Ash up no matter what. So we learn that, you know, he, he was, he's a doctor. And so he was a doctor and she, and she met him in the hospital when her mom was in the hospital for cancer. And her mom ended up dying of the cancer Um, but her and Ash still stayed pretty acquainted, but while she was in the hospital, um, he, you know, sat with her and really just kind of like alleviated her anxiety and her, her negative emotions regarding her mother's condition. And so then one day in her music store, he came in to buy a guitar and he asked her out for coffee and she was she she had her boyfriend at the time Dan and so she said no and that's one of the regrets that she held throughout her her life was what if I had said yes and so she decides to explore the life where she had said yes to coffee and she so she wakes up and she learns that you know, they have a child together, and he's a doctor, she's, you know, a, she's a professor in psychology, but she's, you know, writing a, a book on, not psychology, philosophy, sorry, she's a, a, a professor in philosophy, and she's writing a book on philosophy now, and, you know, all these different things that, it's every single thing that she wants out of life, in one life, but it's still not it's it's not what she wants and this is where I got so frustrated because I was like I was like Nora girl how many lives do you need to live how many like what's not clicking what 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 do you need what is it that you need and I will get it for you I myself will get it for you and so eventually and there was it was like it was something so small and obscure that disappointed her. It was, um, she, she had taken a trip to, to her hometown because they, they had moved to Cambridge in, in the UK. And so she went to visit her hometown one day and she was walking around and she was visiting all these places that she, that she went regularly um, as you know, the Nora seed from her root life, and they just weren't the same. Like her music store was closed down. There was somebody else in her apartment. Her neighbor, who she you know took care of in her root life, didn't recognize her. Um, just all these small different things, and that's what disappointed her, is that she was she was living a life that wasn't hers. She felt like a fraud. That's literally what she says, and so she sent back to the to the library and I was oh I was so annoyed I was furious like I was fuming but you know Matt Haig really he I think he knew what he was doing because 
the the ending is like it's like an ice pack to a very warm bruise and I hope that is an obscure enough description for you to understand my feeling because the very ending is while I loved it I did have I had a I had a little bit of it of an issue with it, and we'll get into that in a in a moment. But um, I think that the the ending was very hopeful, where she returns to her life. Of course, she doesn't have she doesn't have her cat, um, but her relationship with her brother is mended. This whole time, she you know her and her brother in her root life, um, they weren't in communication and she always wished that they could have and she always blamed herself too she blamed herself for the decisions that she made and that's what caused you know her and her brother's separation and um so you know she wakes up she wakes up actually in her in her room and she starts to throw up and she she runs outside in the pouring rain runs to her neighbor's house And she's like, can you call an ambulance? And um, so they call the ambulance. She wakes up in the hospital and her brother's there. And so, you know, then they have this whole heartwarming conversation. And then she, you know, she gets a text message from her best friend, Izzy, who, you know, lives in Australia. She goes to the nursing home where she where she thinks Mrs. Elm is, which she is. Because in one of the lives that she lived, that's where, um, like, her, her boyfriend at the time had seen Mrs. Elm was at this nursing home. So she goes, she takes a chess board, and they play a game of chess because that's, like, that's their thing that they, that they like to do. Um, and, and that's when she learns that even Mrs. Elm has regrets of her own. And... And that's how it ends. Now, let's talk, let's talk the nitty gritty. I, I loved how there were, there were details sprinkled throughout the book. And at the end, they were wrapped up almost perfectly, like with a neat little ribbon um, and a bow. I mean, yeah, with a neat little ribbon and a bow. But... There were also some things that I was a little skeptical about. Like, at the end, when I, when, how I just said that, you know, she woke up in the hospital, her brother was there, and, um, you know, her best friend Izzy had texted her and was like, you know, I'm so sorry that I haven't been able to respond to you, da 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 Now, you can see it, you can see it however, way, however which way you choose. For me, I... Because I see it both ways as well, but I, reading that, I'm afraid it's going to send the message to someone who's impressionable in the way that, um, Nora, Nora killed herself, tried to kill herself, and in doing so, people started paying attention to her. And that's only alarming because, like, say, like, a 12 or a 13-year-old reads this. And, you know, they're feeling those, those types of emotions. And it's like, okay, this is the way. And maybe, maybe I'm shooting for the stars and I'm reaching a little bit. But 
that's the first thing that went through my mind because I know that I've had I've had thoughts and y'all if somebody comes knocking on my door asking me for a mental health checkup I'm gonna blame somebody who's listening to this but I have had my own thoughts where it's like oh I wish that I I wish that something would happen where I just end up in the hospital and then you know I can feel like people care about me and I know I'm not alone on that feeling so I don't even feel crazy for that am I trying to convince myself yes but I don't feel crazy in that because I know that there's other people who have those same thoughts and so I just I I feel like maybe I know that I know that the author's intentions aren't that but it's a very subjective type of detail. Um, the, the other thing is that I wish that there was a little bit more relationship building uh, between Nora and Joe, who was her brother. Um, because by relationship building, yes, they start off rocky in her root life. Um, Nora learns that he was in town but he didn't make an effort to see her and, you know, he doesn't reach out to her. He doesn't answer her texts, whatever. And then, you know, so in each life, something that's very significant to her that, she, you know, in each life that she lives is whether her and her brother's relationship is mended. And though we're given like details about her childhood and we're giving a little, we're given a little bit of a backstory, we're not... We're only given, um, like, the specific, we're only given one specific, um, situation that's supposed to portray, like, this closeness and this brother-sisterly love between Nora and Joe. And I just feel like in Nora discussing her childhood throughout the story, I feel like there could have been more added in terms of, you know, my... My mom, she talked about her mom trying to, like, change the shape of her ears in a very, like, mentally damaging way. And so I feel like, you know, like, in that detail, being like, oh, but Joe made sure that, you know, like, I felt confident with my appearance no matter what my mom said or whatever it is, whatever the case is. Um, But I just feel like the, the relationship with Nora and Joe, though I sensed it, emotionally I wasn't... I wasn't attached to it when they really mended their their relationship in the end. And it's a little strange that I started off with like the bad things, but I guess all good things come to those who wait. Ooh, we love that. Um okay, so Midnight Library has a lot of uh, themes and key ideas running throughout, but the one that stood out to me the most was this idea of potential in the self and life Nora herself even says it you know that she wants to live for the potential of what life can be and of what she can accomplish and um so I was watching a I was watching an interview with Matt Haig and um it was with Strand Library, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Strand. No, it's Strand Bookstore in New York, and um, so you know he was talking, and in listening to him, it made me realize that 
you know, the, the, the idea of potential, it's like you have, you have an infinite amount of versions of yourself. And so this book really makes you wonder what can you achieve with the one that you've been given? Because obviously this book is fiction. And so it's not like we're, you know, gonna go to sleep, wake up and be in the midnight library. But this book gives you hope in what's to come in your future. The steps you can take now, the mindset you can have, the feelings you can have, the choices you can make, and then what can be made of of those choices, of that mindset, um, and you know, of the life that you build. And so, in that interview, Matt Haig talks about how he himself has experienced suicidal feelings and thoughts, and how being in his lowest point made him the most optimistic that he's ever been and that's exactly what we see in the midnight library and so this book is somewhat of a somewhat of a of a memoir of his um you know he talked about how it was hard for him to initially write the book because it was from a male perspective but in changing it from male to female, it made it so much easier to insert more, more um, like self-identifiable details, I guess you could say, about his experience with depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, and so I, th- I thought that was very interesting to hear um, from him. And now going back to the book, <laughs> um, one of one of Nora's flaws and knowing what I know now about Matt Haig I wonder if you know this is this is a detail that he added in that's that he relates to but one of Nora's flaws is living for other people and I think that's why she found herself um in such you know despair and depression is because there comes a point in the book where she realizes all of the choices that I've been making up until this point have been for other people and first of all, I love that. I like I, I love that like I love that that realization that she made and I love even applying it to to your life because you really do need to ask yourself like just stop just stop in your tracks and ask yourself, am I living for myself in this moment? And I think we all get so caught up in you know, just the motions of life and trying to do what's right by ourselves, but also by other people that we often get things confused. And so, you know, we're, we're told not to be selfish. We're told, um, you know, not to be, the, not to be this, not to be that, to be considerate, to, um, you know, be, be kind and what have you not. And, you know, in trying to be a considerate person, not selfish, not vain, not conceited, I think sometimes we we get that confused with, um, and and we end up living living for other people instead of ourselves, making choices that are that will please other people and not ourselves. Nora, every single decision she made that she regretted was for somebody else. She, you know, she only kept swimming because her dad wanted her to swim. She quit swimming and um, she decided to go live that life to see what being an Olympic swimmer would be like because it was, it was initially her dad's dream. 
being a glaciologist though she thought it was a though she thought it was a good um like a good idea she was interested in it that was mrs elm's idea that was not her initial idea that was something mrs elm put in her head and so when she went and she experienced it it wasn't what she what she wanted because that wasn't that wasn't even her own dream being a rock star that was not her dream that was joe's dream because they were in the band together he want he loved music and while she loved music too he's the one who wanted the record deal he's the one who wanted to you know be in a band together and so all of these different all of these different life paths that she chose to to try on were just extensions of someone else's idea of how she should live her life and once she came to realize that that really inspired hope in what she could accomplish in her root life because that life is hers hers to make hers to destroy hers to you know build up um and so I just I that's why the ending though part of it I was iffy about that's why I love the ending so much because it really ties up the entire book all together um you're not you know you're not left you're not left wondering why a character didn't make a certain decision you're not stuck um wishing that a character had made a different move because even then it's like well then she would be making that move based off of me she would be you know whatever um I'm I'm getting a little off track but another thing that I wanted to talk about quickly before we wrap up um is this repeating symbols of trees so you know you have the midnight library and throughout the book there is talks of trees and I underlined almost every single mention of of trees um you know there's like just imagery of trees there's you know like similes metaphors um but also like actual like within certain scenes just talking about trees um and so the fact that mrs elm is you know an elm tree right um and so i decided to look up the meaning the symbolism i guess more than anything of of elm trees and so it turns out that elm trees are a symbol for life death and rebirth and not only that but elm trees are a feminine plant too and i i wonder how much thought um the author put into the character of mrs elm because it's discussed in the book how the mrs elm in the midnight library is not the real mrs elm she's she's not dead she's not you know like actually there with Nora she's just an extension of Nora's subconscious because of that emotional connection that they built um in in Nora's childhood and so that being said and you know an elm tree being a symbol of what it is it's just it it really takes the character of Mrs. Elm a little bit deeper and it makes you consider, you know, the things she says. With philosophy with philosophy being such a strong anchor in this story, it just makes even more sense. Um 
so yeah I I feel like I like this book because you can see how much thought that Matt Haig put into it you can see you can kind of see and understand his creative process and the choices that he even made in making the characters and the the plot and just even like the tiniest little bits of details and how they all intertwine to make this one big story about you know <sighs> what am i trying to say he he really he really goes above and beyond to give you a story that will make you reflect on your own life and your own decisions and that's very commendable. And so that is why this book is officially number two on my list for 2022. I'm saying it right here. Y'all heard me. And you can play it back to me if I say something otherwise. And that's a wrap on the second episode of the Unbound Cinefem. I hope you enjoyed my rather long, drawn-out explanation of why I thought this book was good. If you did, um, please let me know, you know, what you think if you did read it or if you plan to read it or whether you want me to read a different book and, and take this long to explain to you why I like it. If you enjoy 40 minutes of me rambling, um, then I, I appreciate your support. As always, you can find me on Goodreads and Instagram at Coffee Reads. That's coffee with a Y. Happy reading and I'll catch you next episode.